Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to my birth. Also, there's a podcast. I should probably talk about that. Hi, I'm Matt. I'm the host, and this is the Blizzard Watch podcast, where we talk about Blizzard Entertainment and its many games. And I've managed to get one year older, which I'm pretty happy about because, you know, the alternative is to not do that. And that kind of sucks. Uh, with me this week is my fantastic co-host, Anne Stickney, as she's always here. And Anne, what have you been up to this week? I thought your birthday was tomorrow. Is it today? Yeah, but- tomorrow but you know, oh okay hey. are you just taking the whole weekend because you, you're allowed to do that i just feel like you know i'm not going to get to like, i wrote the cue today and i was like happy yes, birthday yes, weekend yes. <laughs> i'll yeah. just say that <laughs> i managed to buy a couple of books since since you've i i got a really cool robin lane fox book about alexander the great Ooh. and i got the i got the history of the peloponnesian war by thucydides i got them on like kindle so i can actually read them because one of the problems with the eyes going is that smaller print books that I, I love and that I have I can't really read them unless I get like my reading glasses aren't quite right and it's very hard to find it's very hard for me to go and get my eyes done to find out what what I should be wearing for reading glasses because of all the holes in my retina so it's it's a work in progress so having it on the iPad is really cool now that I have it because you can just kind of enlarge it to where you need it to be yeah exactly and plus for some reason backlit stuff like black screen with white backlit text is much easier for me to read than white screen black text. I yep. don't know why that is. Yeah. Less glare, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. No idea. So, uh, yeah, what about you? What about me? Just anything. You know, usually we, we talk about both of us, not just me. I feel weird <laughs> if we just talk about me. Okay. <laughs> well, um, I've been playing. A friend of mine got me Pokemon Sword. We were talking about this a little bit in the pre-show, but a friend of mine got me Pokemon Sword, so I've been playing that kind of obsessively. Um, because it's Pokemon, you know. And uh, I beat the game. Well, yeah, I beat the game. And when I beat the game, 
there's like more game after you beat because it's like you're you're basically you're this person in the galarian region of of pokemon which is kind of like the uk everybody talks with a british accent and they don't really talk like out loud with a british accent it's just that when they're talking they say things like oh crumbs right and you know that that's supposed to be (laughs) there's a bunch of there's a bunch of uk colloquialisms that are just sprinkled throughout the game but um i say old chap yes Yes, they do say stuff like that. I think I actually saw somebody say Pip Pip once. Anyway, um, the cool part about it, though, is it's a very different kind of game because the region is they've taken Pokemon like training and things like that to kind of almost this extreme sport. So when you go to a gym, it's not the traditional you battle your way through a bunch of trainers and then you have a one-on-one gym battle. No, it takes place in this gigantic arena with like screaming people that are watching you fight the gym trainer. And it's this really cool environment. And there's like this music track that plays. And when you get to the, like the last clash between you and their last Pokemon they start out with like this chant thing and it's just like the whole environment is really really cool um it's very different but it still feels Pokemon right um Anyway, so you get to the end of all of that and you beat all of the gym trainers to become champion and you become champion and then the credits play and you're like, yay, the credits have played. And then you start thinking about it and it's like, wow, wasn't there like a legendary Pokemon that I didn't get? And then it says the end and you hit the button and then you start into the post game, which is another small storyline that you play through and you get to the end of that and then there's another the end and then you get to the end of that and then there's all this post game stuff that you can do it's multiplayer like there's a multiplayer area where you can play with other people and raid these giant pokemon it's like it's like a mini version of world of warcraft raiding or whatever it's pokemon's version of it it feels really good it's just a good game and i know that a lot of people were like upset about the whole not every entry in the pokedex was going to be available in the galarian you don't notice it you really don't notice it because there are so many pokemon there that it doesn't matter <laughs> it really doesn't matter in the long run so yeah um pokemon sword shield good game recommend it especially if you're you know a pokemon fan which i am and now that we've talked about something other than world of warcraft for the prerequisite amount of times mm-hmm. we will now start talking about world of warcraft and other blizzard games actually i don't do know here. if we have a whole lot of warcraft stuff to talk about today news wise nope uh we don't really in point of fact, I think we have a Diablo and a Hearth, not a Hearthstone, a Heroes of the Storm, and that's about it, I think. Yeah, uh, in order it's to that time of year, folks. Yeah, it's that time of year, folks, where news is few and far between because holidays. You know, it happens every year. This first one, since we we mentioned that, we should get onto them. Their top stories, and this first one's kind of interesting in that it's very much speculative and uh, does not prove much of anything. But that's where we are, guys, because it's it's about Diablo 4, and that game is not out yet. So And we don't have a happens. lot of information for it, but there's a lot of stuff that's like, yeah. Yeah, Um, this one's basically rooted in the fact that when Blizzard released the trailer, it has some tags still on it. And people have like looked at the editor tags that were embedded in the cinematic because he imported it um, from their press kit into Adobe After Effects. And the tags basically, from what people can tell, the tags might indicate changes that were made when the cinematic was being edited. And two of them specify, specifically refer to something. One of them says, you know, 
reflection of of cleric in Rathma's eyes, and the other says reflection of Rathma in cleric's eyes. And so that's the bit with the guy who does the whole, you know, the really pale, scary looking guy. Yeah, that calls her home. That calls Lilith back to sanctuary. And a lot of people speculated that it was Rathma. Um, it, and we just... Initially, when that cinematic first came out, everybody saw that guy and said, oh, my God, it's Rathma. And then they walked it back and said, you know what? There's not enough proof there to say decisively that that's Rathma or not. But mm-hmm. having tags in there like this seems to point to, yeah, that probably uh, is know... Rathma. So it's not like a huge surprise or anything because everybody thought it to begin with. But yeah. And as people have pointed out, I, I, you know, as, as was pointed out in the post we did on the site when it was written, um, Blizzard has, you know, occasionally done stuff before where people found a, a voice file or something. And like, here's an example. You guys remember uh, the Wrathgate storyline and the, the Wrathgate, you know, when you when you play oh, yeah. the board side, yeah. you ended up fighting Varimathras in the in Sylvanas' throne room. Yeah. The voice that yells at, at him is everyone thought that's probably Sargeras. And it's never been confirmed that that was Sargeras one way or the other. But when you looked at the voice files, they were named Voice of Sargeras. And that that was all people needed. They were like, oh, my God, that's Sargeras. And it probably is Sargeras. I mean, we, you know, they've never but actually But it was never definitively say. stated either way. Yeah. And, it, I mean, you know, when we see Varimathras again, he's in Antorus being tormented. So if it wasn't Sargeras, it was certainly somebody that could get him back to Antorus. It was somebody higher up on the food chain one way or another. Yeah. And that's the case here too. Just because the, 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 the the tags say what they say, doesn't mean that's Rathma. And even if it is Rathma, we don't know what he's doing, but it's one of those situations where you have to kind of like, look at it and you have to stay calm. It could be a priest of Rathma and they just didn't want to put in all of the text. Yeah. Or they could have decided, you know, while they were working on the cinematic to change the guy to somebody else that happens. Uh, there's lots of different things that, that could be going on it, but it, uh, you know, it, it is another piece of evidence that it is Rathma. I mean, it maybe would be it is, cool. Maybe it's not. Yeah. It yeah. would be cool. Um, do you want to explain a little bit about who Rathma is? Oh God. Um, okay. <laughs> Briefly. I'm going to, Going to try and make this as simple as possible. Mm-hmm. Lilith and Anarius uh, were were the an angel and a demon that met and decided to get out of the eternal conflict and make their own world where they could hide from it. They got a bunch of followers from both sides together, raided the Pandemonium, pa- pa- Pandemonium Fortress, stole the World Stone, and made sanctuary. Then they started boning. Everybody just started boning. They had kids. Rathma was the well. First that's of- that's. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's just how we're getting it today. Um, Rathma w- was born as Lenarian, and he was the, the offspring of Lilith and Inarius. He was the first Nephilim. And when his parents started quabbling, you know, squabbling over the fate of Sanctuary, when his mother killed all the uh, angels and demons because they were afraid of the Nephilim, he, t- he stayed out of it. He didn't want any part of their conflict. When his father used the world stone to like turn the Nephilim into just humans over time, he went and basically he met a force called Tragul, like this cosmic dragon thing, and became the first necromancer. The reason necromancers are called priests of Rathma is because they are his disciples, essentially. They're following his teachings. And so what is he doing here now? Why is he bringing Lilith back? That's not something we understand, but we did do a really long Diablo lore watch where we talked about this in detail, by the way. So if you haven't listened to that lore watch, go back and listen to it because it's actually um, pretty fascinating. 
I thought. Yeah, basically, that's who Rathma is. Rathma is, he'd be the, the, the son of Lilith and Inarius. And as to why he's bringing Lilith through and what that means for the game and what's going to happen after and what he's after, when in the past he hasn't, you know, in the past he's completely stayed out of it. Lilith did all the stuff she did doing the Sin War and he didn't do anything. In fact, he kind of opposed her at least a little. He, a little he taught, bit, yeah. Um, he, he taught Odysseus' uh, brother, Mendelm. He, 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 Mendelm was the first of the actual necromancers. He was the first quote-unquote priest of Rathma. So it's interesting. We don't really know what it means, but th- those tags are there. They're there right now. If you go look at the cinematic in Adobe After Effects, those tags are there. It's the cinematic you download from the press kit. Rathma's so, in the novels too, right? Which books is he in? He's in the Sin War books for sure. Yeah, okay. So if you want more information, if you want more information on Rathma, go look up the Sin War trilogy and and pick that up. It's a good series. It's just a good series. Uh, In a lot of ways, it's some of Vanak's best work for Blizzard. I think possibly Mm -hmm. because he was he was working pretty much in an an unpainted canvas, so to speak. So he had more room to to do what it felt like doing. Honestly, Uh, Mac is really good at writing the grim dark. So yeah. But that, so that's that's one thing that happened this week. We we don't again. I I really want to keep emphasizing that this stress does that not this is yeah. This isn't yeah. confirmation. This is just huh? Isn't that interesting? <laughs> but now to talk about something that we actually know is going on. Uh, Deathwing finally hit Heroes of the Storm uh, this week, as did the Nexus Anomalies. Which Man, are it's about time. Of... It's it's one of those things where I mean. I've never stopped liking Heroes of the Storm. I, I'm mm-hmm. not good at it at all. I am. I am so bad. Oh, you and I are uh, both really bad. I mean, we played it together. We we did like a Blizzard Watch stream of Heroes of the Storm, and both Rossi and I were just like getting ourselves killed repeatedly. Yeah, I'm the guy that plays <laughs> Malfurion and then forgets he can heal. I mean, yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm just not good. But um, in addition to adding Deathwing, who is just in concept, getting to play as Deathwing is just the funniest thing to me because oh, yeah. like literally. People are like ants to you. They're like, they're so tiny. They're tiny little ants. And you're just like, you're just stomping them. You're just, you're just, it's just amazing. The whole play style is nuts. It is, it is not something I ever expected to see. You would think that because he's so big, that's like a distinct advantage. But because he's so big, he's also really, it's, it's easy to spot him on the map obviously but it's also easy to kind of body block him from getting away if you're attacking him and he does have despite the fact that he's so big and so massive he doesn't have the biggest health pool in game that's still um i think it's chogal that has like the biggest health pool in game right now um but he's like way up there and he does have counters there are counters that will work well against him like uh Medivh, Zeratul, Malthael, Leoric, Tychus. Tychus works pretty well against him. Um it's countering Deathwing is a little bit weird because the way that you want to do it is almost like a World of Warcraft raid. You want to get him by himself and you want to get everybody on him as quickly as possible to knock him down before the rest of the team comes to back him up because if the rest of the team is there then it's just going to be mass chaos. Yeah, it, it doesn't play at all like Ragnaros does, but it's kind of similar to, in feeling, mm-hmm. where it's like this big thing that is like, what is going on? Yeah. Uh, that's more with Rag. That's when he possesses a structure or whatever. Yeah. And with with Deathwing, it's just all the time. Deathwing switches between I think Destroyer and Worldbreaker forms, and they don't really look that different that I'm aware of. I've never, I mean, I've not actually seen Deathwing switch yet that I know of. I, yeah. 
but they they have different abilities. Uh, the one that really comes to mind is he has this ability to fly. Yeah. And when he flies, like he has this natural armor plating that like, that he uses. That's one of the ways he 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 resists when he's getting jumped by everybody. The armor plating is it's really good, but it's ablative. It falls off as he takes damage. Yeah. And the only way for him to regenerate it is to fly up. Is to basically just jump up into the air. And then you can go anywhere on the entire map. I think it has to... I'm not sure if Steven has to be exposed by your own team. I just know that he can go up and then he can come back down. And, and when he's, if he's, while he's up there, he slowly regenerates his armor plates. Yeah. But he can't, he can't stay up there forever. He can't stay up there forever. And while he's up there, he's not doing damage or anything either. He's just flying around. Yeah. And it's but... just... It's, the idea that they made this, that this is a the playable option in this game... It's just nuts. It is like so far outside of what you expect for a a, a MOBA type game to, to have a character who is a big freaking dragon. <laughs> it's pretty cool, though. And then the other thing that's going on right now are Nexus Anomalies. And Nexus Anomalies are like, they're just kind of like little temporary changes to how the game plays. And it's basically, it's sort of like the hero's version of Diablo Seasons in, in a way. There's- it's got to kind of taste like that, yeah. Yeah. I think the one the one that they've got going right now is the one where instead of minions giving experience when you kill them, they drop experience globes like in, say, Fable, where yeah. you killed something and it would drop a globe or a yeah. bunch of globes. That's what's going on. Like, you've got – I think they have a list here of footmen and archer minions drop an experience globe that lasts for six seconds and awards 80 experience. Wizard minions no longer give experience, but experience globe value has been increased to compensate. Then they have the experience globes, you know, moving slowly towards the closest allied hero within six range and are collected when an allied hero comes within 1.5 range. And that's just nuts. The other cool part is, like, if you're stealth or if you're hiding or something like that, they won't move towards you, so they won't give you away, but they can still be collected if they move within, you know, that 1.5 range. And then a few heroes, they actually have special interactions with the globes themselves. So, like, Ragnaros's Lava Wave will instantly collect experience globes as it passes by. Um, Abathur's Symbiote is treated as a hero for the purposes of collecting those globes. So, just because, you know, your symbiote linked with somebody it doesn't mean that you're not going to get those globes or anything it's your symbiote is going to pick it up too and then um hallucinations like uh Samuro's mirror images or nova's hollow clones they're treated as a hero for the purpose of collecting those globes so there's a bunch of different ways to get them and nobody's yeah. abilities are going to keep them from getting them which is appreciated yeah. it's just interesting um I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to seeing what they do next in terms of like how they make the anomalies work it's kind of fun to think about. You could just one day, like, you know, instead of heels landing, you, you know, you create a healing font and everyone must go stand in it if they want to get healed or something. I mean, you don't know. That was just me making something up. I don't know. The only I, thing we know about right now is the globes. It, 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 again, it feels a lot like the Diablo 3 style of seasons where each season has a theme and there's special things that are going on. It feels like Heroes is trying to kind of incorporate that kind of a feel. And I kind of appreciate that because that's one of the reasons why Diablo 3 is still so much fun to play is it's constantly switching up the game. And if if Heroes can do the same kind of thing, then I feel like it could attain that same kind of longe- longevity. Um, even if it's not you know, the primary focus of what's going on right now over at Blizzard. It's still doing its thing and it's still doing it well. Diablo 3 was never really the main focus of Blizzard for a while there after, um, oh my gosh, I can't remember the name of the expansion. Reaper of Souls. Reaper of Souls, thank you. I'm like ROS, 
nope it's not rodents of unusual size anyway <laughs> reaper of souls uh once reaper of souls came out and that was over and done with you didn't really hear a lot as far as diablo 3 goes in terms of like information that was out there and then they came out with the season thing and now you get new stuff you get new things to do it's still relevant it still feels fresh every time they come out with a new season people are looking forward to it lots of people are playing it it it, it's just a way to kind of keep the game alive and going and if heroes can get that same kind of dynamic going that's going to be a really fun game for years to come really yeah i mean there's some there are some problems with it but yeah I, i definitely think that's interesting to think about and unfortunately, my computer picked that exact moment to open Blizzard Watch, so I was hearing us streaming, and that always confuses the hell out of me. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. I was like, why, why am I hearing myself? Uh, but yeah, another, another thing we should probably talk about, since we, we talked about the Rothma that this mm-hmm. is probably the last thing we'll talk about, but um, lead systems designer, um, the, the lead systems designer Diablo 4, whose name I know and who I'm forgetting, and I'm really David annoyed Kim. myself. Thank you, David Kim. Uh-huh. Uh, he did part two of the series he's been doing about systems in Diablo 4 and how it's going to work. Uh, our, our Crow, you know, Crow Tompkins wrote it out for us. Um, and one of the things that's really interesting to me is that they're not doing ancient legendaries. Not pri- Yeah, it, ancient legendaries are not going to be coming back. Um, I find of- that really interesting. Yeah, there's actually a lot. Their itemization po- part of the post was really in, in pretty in-depth. Yeah. Uh, wh- one of the things they talked about was they, they want to put an item into the game that lets you add a legendary suffix to an item. Yeah. Which would, I, I guess, essentially makes like a, 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 a rare or yellow item act like a legendary, even if it's not. And that's really, they, they added new suffixes as well. There's like the angelic, demonic, and ancestral power ones that they're talking about adding. Uh, there's just, there's a lot of changes that going into this. Um, I know that there were a lot of people who were, um, you know, fervently playing Diablo 2 and they loved it to bits and everything. And when Diablo 3 came out, a lot of them were kind of disappointed because stats were so simplified in Diablo 3. Like, you know, if you want, if if you have strength, you want strength. If you're like a barbarian or a crusader, but you don't really care about strength if you're somebody, you know, it just made like picking gear and choosing gear and itemizing gear. It made it too easy. And it felt too easy in comparison to Diablo 2. So they're kind of falling away from that for Diablo 4. And they're letting people, you know, do a lot more customization and that kind of thing. And give them way more choices of what to do with gear. I like the fact that they're doing that. It's interesting that they, they're taking out the ancient legendaries on top of that. But then you kind of see where they're going with that. Because once you start slapping pronouns on the beginning of legendary then how legendary is it really right (laughs) when you start it's sort of like um in legion right we'll go back to we'll go back to legion the legion expansion of world of warcraft legendaries up until that point were something that you worked really really hard for um you either put together a recipe or something like that or you farmed for an impossible drop like the bindings or you did this really long storyline like with uh the rogue daggers or the staff or even um the cloaks in Mr. Pandaria where it was like an expansion long campaign before you got that legendary cloak right but in legion they just started dropping and they started dropping to the point of ridiculousness like at the we were at the point where i had so many legendaries banked at the end of legion and i couldn't delete them i couldn't do anything with them they were just clogging up my bank um, I couldn't sell them. 
they finally made it so that yes you could delete your legendaries which was fantastic because I really didn't want to hang on to much of any of them I didn't feel like they had any weight and that was the point was they didn't have any weight they didn't feel like a legendary except for the fact that they were orange that was the only thing that was marking them as legendary in my eyes and they didn't carry the same sense of accomplishment that getting a legendary had previously. So I feel like this is kind of like along that same concept or line of thinking where you pull in ancient legendaries and then what do you pull in after ancient legendaries? Oh, you pull in, I don't know, heretical legendaries and then you pull in this other thing. It, it just gets primal. to the point. Primal. Primal, right? Okay. I, I was just making up words because I'm like, I'm just making up words as far yeah, as like they actually you start did it, so. you start yeah you start pulling in like different levels of legendaries then how special does it make it when you get one it doesn't so I kind of understand their reasoning behind this I also like the fact that they're kind of mixing it up as far as complexity goes um, obviously Diablo 4 we don't know when it's coming out I mean they said they said it wasn't even a case of Blizzard soon at this point so they're still talking about systems and they're still talking about this kind yeah. of thing and I feel like as things... they're talking about it you don't want to take anything that they're saying as set in stone because I think everything is still really malleable at this point but I appreciate the fact that but, the developers yeah. are going out of their way to like fill us in on on their thought process behind all of this sorry i'll stop talking now (laughs) i mean but they've they've definitely stated up front that this is still early days that they're you know still working on design yeah the the idea to remove ancient legendaries was was like fairly new like this is the first we've heard of that and that's the yeah one of the things he made the point of is that didn't want they didn't want to just make it like diablo 3 over again and they didn't want to make it diablo 2 over again like they're deliberately looking at they're kind of hybriding the two of them almost well there's actually some stuff that reminds me of the original diablo yeah and that's what i think is interesting the the idea of elective mode for items that is you know they experienced after players have had time to experience rare and legendary items normally as well as familiarize themselves with a variety of effects of fixes sorry fixes i can't say that word today um that's the consumable item that they're talking about introducing where the item is earned by killing monsters just like other items it would have one random legendary affix on it drop only in the late end game and used to apply that affix to any non-legendary item now i don't know if that means the item becomes legendary or if it stays a rare but has the legendary affix on it um but it would de- the, the point is that they want to make it so affixes last longer and so that rare items last longer you don't necessarily want to dump your rare item immediately you might want to keep it even if there's a legendary out there you might want to still hold and on to your in a game that dumps endless waterfalls of loot that's a distinct thing that happens like you get something and then 5 minutes later oh this other thing is better so this is this is kind of a way to keep that loot relevant for longer, I guess. Other than turning it into like you know, if you played if you've played Diablo three for any length of time, you get to the point where you're literally salvaging everything. Yeah. Like you're you're like just boom to boom to the boom to the boom to the boom to hear that dun, 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 noise over and over again, and they want to basically slow that down. That's the other reason they also made some changes where attack bonuses only come on weapons and defense bonuses only come on items that you wear like armor and not on rings or necklaces or anything like that. Yeah. Because they're trying to make those stats be about the things they are. Like you get attack bonuses from your weapons because your weapons are the things you attack with. You get more defense from armor because that's the thing you wear to defend yourself. So there's a lot still up in the air here. This is not 
in any way, set or form, set, you know, shape or form, set in stone. It's just what they're thinking about doing right now. And I like just, hearing their thoughts on this. I really this do. This is the most upfront they've been about their design process in a long time. Yeah. I can't I can't remember anybody going to this point saying, hey, some of your, you know, we've, we're looking at your feedback. Some of it's contradictory. So we're, you know, taking it into account, but we can't quite just decide to do it. So there's there's interesting things back and forth about this. It's kind of cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, but that's basically it. Um, I think for stories for this week. So we're going to move on to them. Their emails that we sometimes do on this, their show. I don't know why I always <laughs> do that. I have got to figure out where that's coming from. Like the brain, the brain one's coming from the brain the just now. goes into prospector mode. <laughs> I don't, don't know why. Um, but yeah, if you have an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzard watch. So we know it's for the show. Or uh, you can ask us questions on our on our Discord server. We have a, a, a patron Q and podcast questions channel that you can go in and leave a question there. And uh, I go in and check, like you know, twice or so a week and look for ones to add to the show. And you know, if you do that, again, same deal. You know, it can be about any game. It doesn't have to be about Diablo, but it could be about Diablo. So remember that. Anyway, uh, Ian usually reads them for us. So if you don't mind, Dan. Yep. First question is from Braxis over in Discord who says, question, in your personal lore slash headcanon, how do you handle the other players? Is it just you and the others don't exist? Or what about the band of adventurers that help you take care of the raid bosses? What about you? Uh, I just, I don't know how to answer this exactly because for me, it's just, I just assume I've got a bunch of friends. We do stuff together. I don't, okay. you know, like we're, we're in an adventuring, you know, camp. Like the biggest one I ever came up with was for my wife and me when we were doing raiding back in vanilla. And I came up with this whole thing that our, our guild was basically a mercenary group that got hired uh, mostly by the Alliance since, you know, the faction thing to go and like take care of stuff that they couldn't. Like, you know, we, we, we can't afford to send all these troops, but, you know, you got 40 lunatics. Go fight these things, you know, and then as we got 40 into 40 other... lunatics, that's a good yeah. way to describe a raid guild, actually. <laughs> yeah. And then like as we, you know, went on, we would like just you know like when we got into bc it was very easy to come up with the idea of like 10 you know the the mercenary company is now 10 people or 25 people or whatever it was just and that was kind of how we did it um nowadays i don't really think about it too much because mostly it's it when i when i do stuff it's like mostly pickup groups so i feel an awful lot like i just you know i went to this place and there were some other people there anyway so we said all right we'll all go in you know no re I, I hate this dragon. You hate this dragon. I don't see any reason why we should like argue over who gets to hit the dragon. We can both hit the dragon. Yes, let's go hit a dragon. And so that that's generally how I handle it. I handle things a little bit differently because I am a role player. So it differs on a character by character basis. Some characters are very obviously a part of a group and they have a lot of friends in that group and everything. Um, my main character is a rogue who doesn't really subscribe to the theory of factions. <laughs> She just doesn't care. She really doesn't care. That's all it is. It, why why bother caring about the factions when there's all this world-ending stuff happening? So help one side, help the other. It doesn't matter. She's been Horde. She's been Alliance. She's Alliance right now. She's a Void Elf. Um, but like a, as far as raids go, I never really thought of raids as canon material. It was always stuff that I did that had nothing to do with my role-playing. And my role-playing was all completely separate stuff with that character. Um, so anything that she's done in raids, any raid achievements that she has or anything like that, yeah, it, it doesn't actually exist in character for her. She's been skulking around doing her own thing on the sidelines. 
um, that doesn't really do very well when you want to go do the raids and get the loot. So I do the raids and I get the loot. I just kind of ignore the rest of it, if that makes sense. And then other characters that I have are just, again, some of them are in groups. Some of them work solo. Some of them don't do any raids at all. And they just like hearing stories about the kind of thing. But the, I guess that's just kind of like the difference between a role player. Because role players tend to, tend to, you know, have their own lore and headcanon for all of their characters. And each character usually has a different thing. Um, Rossi, I know you don't really do the role-playing server thing, do you? Not the role-playing server thing. Although I do have characters on Scenarian Circle and we did play them throughout like two, two or three expansions. Yeah. But it's for us, it's more me and my wife just do it together. You guys have your own little headcanon story things that you do. Like, for instance, uh, my night elf warrior is my wife's hunter's younger cousin. Okay. And and I annoy the living beep out of her. Uh, Well, at least until this expansion, I annoyed the living beep out of her with my continuous optimism. And now I'm just depressed and sad all the time. So now I'm not fun to hang out with it. You would go to the tree and listen to Linkin Park, but the tree isn't there anymore. Whereas my death knight is actually doing better. It's like, yeah, see, life is horrible. I've been telling you this. <laughs> this is what happens. If you love anything, it just gets destroyed. Look at me. I got destroyed. Now, yeah, there you go. It's really weird because my Death Knight is my warrior. Yeah. They're the same person. Just when I play the Death Knight, my warrior died and became a Death Knight. And when I play my warrior, obviously that didn't happen. So it's kind of weird, but, you know, whatever. Um, my, Two my... different timelines. Well, I've got my Draenei. Yeah. I actually have two. I have two Draenei. I have this late forge that I'm playing now, and my old Draenei, who is currently parked on Draenor and never leaves it. Like I, he never comes out of his garrison. He never. Actually, I think I left him in Carabor, and that's where he is right now. And he never leaves Carabor. That's just. I where can't he remember is. where I left my Draenei. She's somewhere. Yeah, I think I, I stopped I playing her in Warlords because it got really depressing. I don't play my my Draenei because he's retired. Because he went home. He saved his people, and he's like, why would I go back to the place where my people weren't saved and see that? They, <laughs> why would went... I go back to crazy death reality when everything's so nice here? <laughs> yeah, my people are safe here, and, you know, I don't, like, granted, then they then revealed all that stuff happened in the Maghar stuff, but I don't know. My Draenei is still 30 years in the past. Like, and I don't know what happened to him in that time period. I don't know if he, like, if he joined up. I don't know. That's That's not something I've had time to to do anything with so yeah but i i do in terms of other players it, it does to a degree depend but it mostly it's just i came up with some really quick fictions to justify it so those characters we play like my wife has a like a warrior alt that she plays sometimes that i when when she plays that i play on my warrior i'm usually training her that kind of thing because i'm usually on my really old warrior so it's like hey my day we knew and she's like you know i you know i'm like a thousand years old right like i'm way older than you like, I, I have heard this. You're not actually teaching me anything. Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next email is from Shad, who's a Blood Elf Paladin, paladin on Hydral US and has several questions. So I think we're just going to kind of like go through these bit by bit, if that's okay with you. Sure. Okay. Uh, he says, greetings. First set of questions. Do you know whether the remaster of Warcraft 3 will simply update the graphics and other such things, or if it will also change any of the quests or items or things of that nature? Will the remaster include the expansions? Do you know? I don't... I, I did play the uh, the demo when it was at, when I was at Blizz, BlizzCon, and it didn't feel like the gameplay was much different. I can't really... I don't think... 
I think it's got like Reign of Chaos and the Frozen Throne baked in. I think that that's it's all coming in one. It's all Warcraft Three. Yeah, I think that's where they're going with it. Uh, but I haven't. In, in terms of them changing quests, I don't believe they're doing that because the whole point is that people want to experience Warcraft Three. They were talking you know? about at one point. I remember they had talked about updating it a little bit to make it more um, accurate to events as they were presented in Chronicle and the like. But I think that they veered away from that because they just want to deliver an authentic experience. So they're yeah, just going to like up, update it. That's all. It's just updated. If they've changed anything, I don't know about it. I didn't see that. But then again, when I played, all I did, all I did was play most multiplayer. And it was very much just humans versus orcs. Just that was what was at the demo. So if they're doing that, I don't know about it. But I, from what they've said about it, I don't expect there to be a lot of changes. I think if there are any, they'll be like, you know, for ease of play or for, you know, just making everything coherent. There won't be like really, really big changes I just don't expect to see. Yeah. Uh, it, it does play. It plays pretty close to the way it always did. I mean, if you remember how Warcraft 3 played, that's how it plays. Uh, it's just better looking. Much much better looking and it was it's already like so pretty warcraft 3 wasn't bad in the first place sure it was kind no. of blocky but for the time it came out there's nothing wrong with it um and it certainly led to this i mean you know if world of warcraft is very visually based on warcraft 3 and i think in a weird way warcraft 3 you know reforged kind of like continues that where it, it takes the the visual influence of world of warcraft and then punches it up and it's it's interesting to see that and i think that's one of the reasons we're getting customization finally in Shadowlands is that mm-hmm. they're, they're they're making a jump there too. But in terms of like, I don't feel like when you buy this, you're, you're going to get like, there's not going to be a point where you get to a certain quest line and Rexar's like, no, I'm not going to help save the horde. I'm going to Disneyland. And he just leaves and you're like, um, Rockan, I guess you're up. Nope. Disneyland. <laughs> I think they're going to like still do the quests and stuff. It's yeah. The quests and stuff are saying the same. I, I think that, Maybe they saw how popular WoW Classic was and decided that they wanted to go ahead and just keep to the authenticity of the original with it rather than making any major changes or anything like that. They're just updating it. It's just a graphical update. But yeah, if I remember right, it's just everything kind of baked together into Warcraft 3. They aren't releasing like separate expansions or anything. It's just Warcraft 3 reforged and includes everything. Um, I could be wrong. And if I'm wrong, hey, send us an email and let us know. Uh, next set of questions here. When are you expecting the next patch for World of Warcraft, and when do you expect the next expansion? Prediction time, Rossi! Uh, well, we know the next patch is sometime after, like, New Year. It's in... Yeah. I, I would expect it to be in February. That's my take on it right now. Um, if I hear more that makes me feel differently, I will certainly revise that, but for right now, I'm thinking late February, early March. That's where it's gonna... That doesn't mean that the new raid and stuff's coming. I just... That's the patch. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if patches by March and then over the course of the next six or so months, that patch, like, I, I would expect the raid to be out within, like, a month or two. And then you get, like, three or four months of, you know, working on that raid and all that other content. And then I think by, like, August, September, you're going to start looking at the, uh, I would expect, my expectation is in August, we will get the one month patch that goes into Shadowlands where we get the, we'll get the level swish mm-hmm. and we'll get stuff like that. And then in September or October, we're going to get Shadowlands itself. That's what I think. I think it's going to be one of those times where they like, they say, you know, like summer, 
asterisk, you know, September counts and this is, you know, like we did when we saw Legion, like we did when we saw Battle for Azeroth. That's what I think we're going to see. Yeah. Um, as far as the patch goes, I think we're probably going to see the patch mid to end January and we're going to see beta for Shadowlands in February, March, I think. That's me. And I know you didn't ask about beta, but um, usually what happens is we'll get the patch, the patch will come out, and then something new will come out a little bit after that. Well, the only new thing to come out after that is beta for Shadowlands or alpha for Shadowlands, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I feel like probably we're going to get the patch itself in late January, very early February, one or the other. Um, and I, then I feel like we're going to get beta for Shadowlands sometime after that. But even though the patch comes out in late January, early February, I'm assuming that the raid won't start until March, probably, maybe even April. And then it'll, you know, it'll release over the course of whatever. And then I like your idea of like the pre-patch coming out in August. I think that's a good idea. I think that's probably what they're going to aim for. And I figure it's either going to be really late September or mid-October for Shadowlands release. Um, and that's just going off of what happened with Battle for Azeroth. Because Battle for Azeroth kind of had like... Legion had a really smooth transition to Battle for Azeroth. And I feel like they want to keep up that same pace. Because that pace felt really good. We weren't sitting in Legion for long enough for it to get really old or tired or stale. And when Battle for Azeroth came out, it was a good space for Battle for Azeroth to come out. Because we had like a month or so of playing it. And then BlizzCon hit. You know what I mean? Yep. Makes sense. The timing felt good on it. Okay, so uh, and yeah, don't hold us to this, but that's our like preliminary predictions on everything, guys. Mark your calendars. All right. Uh, third, it's not quite a question because it just ends with the word thoughts, but it's same thing. Uh, who says I've been raiding for a decade and only three of the twenty-four people I started with still raid. I've probably raided with at least three times that number, and my friends list shows that most of them have not been on in months or years. Do you think Blizzard will have to change raiding? It seems like WoW has become less about that and more about individual activities anyway. And I, for one, would love to raid alone or in a very small group, one of each role. Thoughts, Chad. Well, I mean, a very small group, one of each role, that's like a three-person scenario. Um, so, I mean, they're going to possibly have more three-person scenarios. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I liked I the idea of what they were talking about with Torghast, where it's like you can go in solo or you can go in with a group. Yeah, that's like Torghast is up to five people, I believe. Uh, Torghast basically goes from a single-player experience up to a dungeon run in terms of the amount of people you can bring in with it. And that's I, I have no problem with that. I do think they're going to – I do think they're showing – that they're going to try new things. That's absolutely the case. I don't think that they really want to reinvent raiding though, because whilst no. I think you're, you're running into a problem, we all run into eventually. Because um, I think both Anne and I have been raiding for a lot more than 10 years. And we hit that place right around Warlords where you just, other stuff happens. And you kind of like, you eventually everybody hits You it. get old and all of a sudden adult things have to happen. Yeah, and it's... It's not that rating is bad. It's not that rating needs to change, although certainly it always needs to be, you know, tweaked and played around with. Uh, if the history of rating is nothing but changes. But in terms of, I just think it happens. Like you eventually hit a point where it's like, yeah, everybody I knew who did this isn't doing it anymore. Either they stopped playing or they're just not rating anymore. I got other stuff to do. 
you know, and it just, it happens. It's, it's sort of an organic process. I'm not saying that that's where you are right at that moment. Maybe, you know, maybe you'll get more friends who want to raid and you'll move back into it, but I don't think they're going to make raiding like Torghast. I don't think they're going to ma- ever make a place no. where it's like, you can go in with one person or you can go in with 25 people or you can go in with 30 people or you can go, you know, I don't see them doing that because it is so much work to try and make something that scales from just one person by themselves all the way up to a group of 25 or 30. That's crazy. Yeah. That's like, that's like, that's so much the, the work amount of work is multiple, you know, multiplicative. It just, it gets, more and more and more extreme the more people you add when you're balancing trying to make it scale. for one person and then balancing for a group of five that that multiplication factor is manageable but when you go from one person up to 25 people the balancing factor it would look like a completely different place with with yeah. 25 people in there raids have a hard time scaling for like groups of 10 to 25 like there's there's also these weird break break points where you're like oh okay we've got 14 people if we had 15 people this would be easier but if we go to 16 people we're gonna wish we went back down to 14 people that still happens scaling is weird scaling has like all these points where we definitely don't want 18 people if we're gonna do this we want to get up to 19 but we only have one more guy we only have 18 it's gonna be harder to do in 18 we really need to get another person to get to 19 like you know what I mean that's that kind of weirdness is part and parcel of scaling. They haven't figured it out yet. I don't think you could ever really do a situation where you could like, yeah, this is, it's, you know, if you're, if you're talented and you know what you're doing, you can solo this. And also if you bring 24 other people, it's still challenging. <laughs> like there's, I, I just don't there's see that There's a limit to it. There's a limit to it. And you know, people don't raid indefinitely. There's, there's a life cycle to raiding. And there's a life cycle to raiding within expansions, too, because people are usually, they'll show up at the beginning of the expansion and they'll be very gung-ho about raiding and they'll go do the raids and get all that done and everything. But by the end of the expansion, you get a little burnt out on it. Just a little. You can can get burned out within a patch cycle. Yeah, you can. Like, I, this expansion has been bad for me. Like, I have not, I I ran out of steam for raiding pretty fast and I Mm -hmm. I just, I tried, I tried to come back when they went to, uh, you know, battle for the Zara lore. And then I was just like, I was three weeks in and I was like, yeah, I'm done. I'm just not feeling this. And that's, you know, that happens sometimes. Uh, and... and for me, I have settled for LFR since Warlords, pretty much. It, it's like, I will go in and I will do the LFR stuff. And that's enough for me. It's enough of a taste without the time dedication. Because yeah, exactly. it's, that, it's that time dedication that I have a problem with. Because I have so many other things that I'm doing. And yeah. when I when I took a break and I'm air quoting the word break in warlords of Dranor, I had all of this space that was previously occupied with raiding and I filled it with, you know, taking care of my father, but also, you know, doing stuff for myself. And when I got to the end of warlords, I realized I liked having that extra time. And beyond that, my father was kind of at a point where he needed more care. So going back to raiding just wasn't a possibility for me in Legion. And right now, it's like, well, I have the time to raid if I'd like to raid, but I kind of like using that time for other stuff. I like going out in the world and catching Pokemon and, and, you know, talking to people, hanging out, that kind of thing. I don't really want to be sitting in front of my computer for, you know, three hours a night raiding, whatever. And it, you know, part of the problem for the rating too is 
it's not necessarily even that the time commitment in of itself is too onerous. I can I can yeah. spare the time to raid, but it's like to have to always be reliable on a certain day and time every like every time you hit Thursday. Okay, it's Thursday at seven. I got to be ready to go. Some Thursdays at seven, I want to talk. I just want to sit down and like eat. Or watch Critical Role or something. Yeah, I and was going to say, uh, Thursdays are Critical Role night. I don't know about anybody else. <laughs> well, there's like, there's, I mean, it's one of the things, as I, I still play World of Warcraft to this day, but I play it when I want to. And that's the thing is, it's not, that's one of the things I've liked about the way the game has changed over the years is I no longer feel like I have to make a schedule. I no longer feel like, okay, if I don't show up, 24 of the people are going to be disappointed because they're not going to get to do what they want because I'm not there to get hit in the face repeatedly. Um, there's, but that doesn't mean it has to be you. And I don't want you to feel like I'm saying you'll grow up and get out of rating. It just means everybody's time, the the costs and demands on your time always change. And some people can balance it. Some people can't. And some people just choose not to. We're basically so. talking about the old days here, basically. Yeah, We're right. old. We're old people, very, Rossi. Very, very old. You're so a year old. older. I, I yeah. like to think of myself not as old, but as eternal. So, you know. Uh, let's go ahead and go to the last email here, though. Um, this one has, it's a it's a fairly lengthy email, but there's a, some stuff here to discuss. Um, and this is from Sivus of Dethicus, who says, Greetings, watchers. I'd like to revisit two points from Ogmot's dream journal. First, a shepherd cloaked in the shadows of her past, beloved by a flock of blind sheep. She guided them over a cliff. Even as they crashed upon the rocks, they never doubted her. The crows grew fat upon sheep flesh. Her laughter echoed all around. I now believe this could refer to Calia. It couldn't beforehand, but now she has an undead posse at her back, thus her sheep. Number two, they speak of Argus, of the one who was awakened, of the victory that went unnoticed. I suspect the unnoticed victory was the defeat of Argus, Titan of Death. I imagine the Void intends to seep its way into the Shadowlands, Realm of Death, with this disruption of the machine as they got into the Emerald Dream when when Fandral not Vandral, when Fandral placed Vordrasil atop the Serenite. Zalatath mused to us, demons and dreams alike could be corrupted. Why not death itself? Thoughts? Sivus of Dethicus. Well, first off, I mean, I feel like you're stretching pretty hard to put Callie into that one. When we have a perfectly good person who did all that stuff. It's Sylvanas. I mean, that has yeah. to be Sylvanas. She's the major villain of the next expansion, man. Yeah. Well, one of them. I, yeah, I just, I felt like... Although... Is she? We don't know, but this is something, something we need to talk about on Lore. We're going to talk about her on Lore Watch because I have some thoughts on Sylvanas and what she's doing, and they're a little out of the box. So we'll talk about that on Lore Watch this week. But okay, go ahead. My point is just you know, if you want somebody who led her flock over a cliff, I mean, that's Sylvanas as leader of the Horde. That's pretty much what she did, and the Horde went along with it for the most part. Like a few people said, no, maybe not, but most people were like, okay. Boom. Oh, we went over a cliff. That was bad. Why did we go over a cliff? You know, so and had she not, you know, messed up at the end herself, she'd still and be And I think the crows are, respo- are 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 referring to like the maw. Yeah, or cuz the know. the crow the 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 maw is growing fat on all of these souls or whatever because they're all being funneled to the maw right now. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, I I feel like that's that's until something else comes out to make me think you know, Kalia. Kalia right now is like, I don't even want to lead. No, I'll just help out. So I doubt she she doesn't really have a posse. She has people are like, you know, if you want, you know, if you should take control, and she's kind of like, should I? Should I really? I, you know, she had that conversation with Lillian, and 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 there's like, 
well, I mean, she's going to have that conversation. Is that an 8.3 thing? I think that's an 8.3 thing where she has a conversation. But there, there's a conversation that's had where that is broached. And she's still really reticent about the idea. Callie is not the type of person to come storming in and go on, I'm the rightful queen of Lordaeron. That's just not her. And it's never <laughs> been her. I just pictured Callie and NFL like there's a door. And then uh, Callie and NFL kicks she's in the like, air. <laughs> what up? I'm the leader now. Sup, I'm back. <laughs> Comes in. Got a bunch of what? banner carriers with her. <laughs> They're all just like that, 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 that. No, that's not Kalia at all. Kalia, Kalia took off and hid and left and she was gone for like forever. Even after Lordaeron fell, you know, for, for like years and years after that, nobody knew where she was or that she was even around. She was just off doing her own thing. She had no interest in any of that. So this is kind of one of those things where it's like, is Kalia, does she think she's suitable to lead? It's not even that. It's does she want to lead? And I don't know what the answer to that is yet. Um, if she'll actually come around to it or if it's something that's like, it's just being propositioned right now and then it's going to turn out to be somebody else entirely. So we're just getting like a bunch of red herrings. Good question. Um, as far as Argus goes though, do you do you think that the Void is trying to get into the Shadowlands? There's a bit in the uh, when you're doing the the actual Argus fight, if you have Zalatath, Zalatath is fascinated with the throne of the Pantheon and makes a comment like, you know, we've been trying to get in here forever. Yeah. So I'm not willing to absolutely sign off on your idea, but neither am I willing to reject it out of hand. There's there's definitely some evidence. I mean, the the three sisters comic definitely gives some evidence that the void feels inimical towards death. Like it thinks that you know. You, Sylvanas needed to be killed so, right now. Sylvanas is very dangerous. Yeah. So, is is that you know? Did they do they know about the whole thing with the the jailer? Did they know where the, where the souls are going? Were they like okay with that because it serves their purposes and so it's chaos? If the void sees yet. all possibilities, what was it seeing in Sylvanas that scared it? Because the void wasn't just like the void was scared. The void was kill it, kill it now, kill it, kill it, kill it, kill it, kill it. That's that's not violence. That's fear. So what does Sylvanas represent in the realm of possibilities that would make something like the Void afraid? I guess. That's that's a big question you kind of have to be looking at here, I think. Yeah, I definitely think that there is some room for the whole thing about Argus. Especially since, you know, when you do kill Argus and you get the bit from him, it even says this shouldn't be possible. Yeah. You shouldn't have been able to do this. Like the death of Argus is an affront to the natural order. It's not how things are supposed to go. So was, you know, when, when Argus the Unmaker dies, is the, the, the death of death, is that like an, another one of those times where you just, it messes things up? Is it like when you kill an old god and they, since they can't really die? Is that the where the engine up? was broken or was it something long before that? And again, that's something we also discussed in Lorewatch and you should probably go listen to the last episode if you haven't. But yeah, Lorewatch lately has been room. really good, you guys. It's I'm just saying, Lorewatch lately has been really good. As far as if you're into lore theories and you want to know more about that kind of thing, um, go back and listen to the last couple of episodes because you, you'll just eat that stuff up with a spoon. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Rossi. No, I just I I think I've already said what I need to say on that subject. Okay. I feel like it's certainly within the realm of possibility. The Kalia thing, I'm not willing to sign to, but the second no, one, no. The, the second thing. the second one could be argued that that's actually got some potential there um 
before we jump into the outro here, because that was it for emails, really, I just wanted to point out that Epic Lurker in the chat channel said that uh, instant classic to classic or instant access, instant classic, instant access to classic Warcraft three, Reign of Chaos, and the Frozen Throne. So yeah, it it you you do get that okay, with the so whole yeah, Warcraft get, three. You thing. get all three. You get all the campaign stuff. Mm-hmm. I I don't think you get that. So. Okay. Anyway, uh, that wraps us up for emails, and that's also going to wrap us up for the show. Blizzard Watch. It's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch, and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much, Ian. Uh, again, guys, this is the Blizzard Watch podcast. And if you had an email for the podcast, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast of Blizzard Watch or hit up our Discord server, uh, patron queue and podcast questions and you know, let us know it's for this show so we know it's for the show. That's that's how we know. We, we can't read minds. Well, at least I can't. I mean, not entirely sure about Ann, but I can't. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening and we'll be here next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.